Good evening. Very nice to be with you. Um, and just, I'm Claire, if you don't know me, and I'm part of the team here. And um, what I'm going to do this evening is talk to you a little bit about the subject of identity. About this time of year, every year, we try and go there a little bit with things like our mental and emotional health. And it's kind of like an acknowledgement that how, whatever we're looking for in life, sometimes things can be a bit jeopardised by our mental and emotional health. It's health. And it's very important for us to talk about it, to admit to one another that um, everything isn't always okay. And even though sometimes when we're worshipping, I don't know if you ever feel a sense of kind of tension in some of the worship songs. You're singing things that make it sound like everything's so great. And in one way, it is, because it's true, the things we're talking and singing about. But sometimes there can be internal tensions and things that don't quite line up. So we want to talk about that. And we're going to talk about the subject of identity for the next three weeks. <clears throat> and tonight... I'm going to talk to you a bit about family. So if I was to ask you the question, what has made you, you? That's a complicated and hard question to answer. Sometimes if you go to interviews, apparently one of the most common interview questions is, what three words sum you up? That's quite a common interview question. What would you choose? What do you think describes you? And where has it come from? How did you get to be where you are right now in all your glory and your beauty? How did you get here? We've been thinking a bit about family. In my family, because my father died about three months ago. And when somebody as important as your father dies, it can really set you to thinking about family and what you've inherited from your parents and, uh, you know, that's a complicated question in this, the place we're at, isn't it? It can be a, a question that brings all sorts of feelings up. But, you know, we've been thinking about that in my family. Now, over the summer, my sister and brother-in-law took a little trip up to Yorkshire, where my dad comes from. My dad was an only child, and he was brought up in a village called Shelf. It's a great name for a village. And um, it was a very obscure place, there are not many people there, and it was a quiet upbringing in Yorkshire. He was an only child, and he had, his best friend was his cousin, his cousin David, and his dog Peter. And that was my dad's upbringing, and we used to hear about cousin David and his dog Peter and the upbringing my dad had, but it was a bit of a mystery to me. And uh, anyway, my sister and brother-in-law went and had a little trip and they had a look at where he grew up and they, they actually uh, met up with David's children. And when they were there having cups of tea together with David's children, they, the children of the children came in and joined them. And there was this moment of sort of fascinating moment when one of the children walked in, I'll just show you a little picture. This is my daughter, Lily. It's gorgeous, isn't she? <clears throat> now, this is my daughter, Lily. Now, her grandfather is my dad, obviously. And his cousin is the one that he grew up with, David. And David's granddaughter is called Olivia. And this is Olivia. Crazy. <laughs> When we put that on our family WhatsApp chat, one of her brothers thought it was two pictures of Lily. 
So the likeness is really striking. And the thing that was really strange was that um, that she is also really like Lily. Their mannerisms, the way they talked, things like that. So fascinating, isn't it? How do you get to be you? Actually, Lily's great-grandmother's brother's great-granddaughter, their third cousins. The DNA sort of goes up and then down there, but there's something so similar. It's really fascinating. So what's made you you? Your DNA? Or is it nature or nurture, as we often say? You know, the things that have happened to you in your upbringing. And maybe you're a person who you've looked at your upbringing, your family that you come from sometimes, and you've wondered, does that mean I'm going to be like that? And maybe that's not the most positive of questions sometimes for us to ask. So what makes us who we are? And we're going to talk about the subject of identity. Not an uncomplicated question in the 21st century. Our culture says identity is something that you own. Your identity is yours and it's your truth to discover and unpack. It's something for you to go on a journey with, find out who you really are. And when you find it out, you own it. You own who you are and your identity. Important stuff, isn't it? But you know, the Bible, the Bible has so much to say about identity. In the first few pages of the Bible, the Bible begins to talk about human identity, about who we are, what we are, what makes us who we are. And it talks about how we're made in the image of God. And that's not the end of it. it. All the way through the Bible, there's this unpacking of what it is to be a human being made in the image of God for relationship with God. And you discover in the pages of this book that not only is identity something for you to discover and find out for yourself, identity is something that's been given you by God. And you can only really fully discover it when you discover God. So it's not just a carefully curated image that you present to the world of who you are, what you choose to be. It's also a gift from God to you. And over the next three weeks, we're going to look at three of those gifts that God gives us to help us identify ourselves. And the first one is what does it mean to be a child of God? We're going to look at, our series is called Grand Designs. Good title, eh? I thought of that. <laughs> Understanding your identity, sorry, little insecure moment, just wanted you to know. Um, understanding your identity in God. And we're going to look at these three facets of our identity. Child of God, citizen of the kingdom, and what it is to be a friend of God. Now, there's so many things we could look at, but these are three that we're going to home in on, these things. And today, we're going to talk about child of God. And we're going to use a term that is often used in psychology and in mental health, and it's called the family of origin, the term is. Family of origin is where you've come from, your family. And it is the family that brought you up. Maybe you were adopted into Maybe you've spent most time with, but it's a mixture of your DNA and your nurture, family of origin. And here's one definition of your family of origin. 
family of origin refers to the significant caretakers and siblings that a person grows up with, generally a person's biological family or an adopted family. Our early experiences have a major influence on how we see ourselves, others and the world, and how we cope and function in our daily lives. So this isn't a Christian idea particularly, it's something that is fairly well understood that a major shaping influence on you and who you are and how you got to be you is your family of origin. What does the Bible tell us about that? And is there any good, helpful advice that the Bible gives on how to deal with that? Because to be honest, it's probably a mixed bag. My dad was lovely, but he was a Yorkshire man. And he was, there's nothing wrong with that. There isn't. But he was very quiet. He was an only child. He didn't actually share much of himself emotionally. He was, he was really good and kind and serving to us. But emotionally, probably a little bit distant, reserved. I didn't know if I knew what he thought or felt about things. And he didn't particularly teach me anything about that. And most of it came from my mum. That had an influence on me. I'll talk more about that in a minute. But what we're going to do is we're going to read about something, this amazing passage in the beginning of the Gospel of John, where John is describing Jesus and who he is and how he came to the world. And he's talked about his uniqueness, the fact that he was there, the word made flesh, that he was there at the beginning creation, this majestic being that came to earth to identify with human beings, to identify with you and me. And it says this, it says, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Now listen to this. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. What does that mean? What does it mean to be born of God? Maybe you're here tonight and you're exploring faith and you're, you're not sure what this is all about. Why are they doing all this singing? What are they trying to do or connect with? And one of the things that we're going to unpack a bit tonight is what it means to be born of, a, of God, to be part of God's family, to have a father that is God himself. What does it mean for you right now? Maybe you've been doing this for a long time. I can see some of you. You have. And you have been a Christian. You've been exploring your faith. And have you unpacked fully what it means to have God as your dad? Have you unpacked that? Because I tell you what, dad, is not, your God is not the same as your human dad. Have you really got hold of that? And the influence that your own human parents, your siblings, your family of origin has had on you 
And have you really begun to explore the depth and the height and the width and the majesty of the love of God? So, probably not. So we're going to have dive in and look at a few aspects of that. So what does it mean to be born of God? That idea kind of appears in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, God was presented in many ways. Warm, loving, faithful, kind, great, forgiving, generous-hearted. But really the idea of being a father to his children appears around the same time as Jesus does. Interesting. And this verse, these verses at the beginning of the Gospel of John, Jesus constantly picked up the theme You have a father. He is God. And you're part of his family. And you know what? He's a good father. He's very good. And he was speaking into a culture that probably thought that God was quite distant. Someone to be appeased. Someone who you needed to have animal sacrifices to get him to forgive you. The religion of the Jews was, had built up into a religion of laws and distance. A bit of emotional distance maybe. Not necessarily that warm-hearted Easy to think that God didn't care very much, especially when you're under occupation by the Romans and you feel like you've been forgotten. And Jesus suddenly appears on the scene and he starts talking about a dad, a father, who is very, very different to that. The famous story of the prodigal son. The story of the prodigal son tells us about a father who's so warm-hearted and generous that when his son, who has really made a lot of mess and has really hurt him, finally comes to his senses and comes home the father runs to meet him and he forgives him he's generous hearted it's a fascinating little aside in the story where there's an older brother who doesn't really like it because that's not how God's supposed to be he's supposed to be more judgmental sometimes you can detect that stuff in you and you wonder where it's come from but Jesus presented this idea of God as a father who is like that so it kept on coming up against the the, uh, the priests who, and you know, the, the God that Jesus talked about was far too generous, far too merciful, far too kind for them. It irritated them. One day a man came to him in the middle of the night called Nicodemus. He was a teacher of the law. So he was one of those guys who knew all about God and he, he knew Jesus had something. He knew that he was talking about something that made people come alive. And so he's plying Jesus with questions. It's a secret meeting in the middle of the night because um, it wouldn't have been good for it to be found out that a teacher of the law was asking Jesus. And Jesus says to him, do you know what? If you really want to get it, you've got to be born again. If you want to understand and even enter in to the kingdom of God, the family of God, you've got to be born again. Nicodemus sort of says, how can I be born again? Can't get inside my mother's womb again. And they have this little interaction and Jesus says, don't you get it? It's hinted at in the Old Testament that one day there's going to come a time when God is going to come into the affairs of humankind in a new way and give everyone the chance to have a new heart and a new mind, a new and fresh start, a new identity. It was always hinted at. 
So you should have recognized it when I said you've got to be born again. And that is one of the aspects of our identity that I just wanted, I felt today to say that there, if you are somebody who you feel like, I, I don't know if I can do this. I feel like Christianity is all about trying to be good, trying to do the right things and I keep on coming up against the stuff in me that's stopping me. And one of the things that maybe has escaped you so far is that there's an invitation for you to be born again, not just to work really hard at being good, but to be born again, born of God. There's a moment when you come to the end of yourself and you say to God, can't do this. I surrender to you because your goodness is beyond me, but I want to be good like you. And Jesus, the Father, invite you, come to me, be born again, born of God. And actually to be born of God is a miracle. It is not something that you and I can generate by effort or by intellect or by reading your Bible, it's actually a miracle. And if you have been born again, as I suspect many, many, many people here, most of you have, then a miracle happened when that happened, just like the miracle of birth. And you were given a new life, a new code, a new template inside you that that is like a fresh start. And you are born out of a father that is full of love, full of love. And I really want you to hear me when I say this, that you are born out of love. Not from an emotionally distant father or a father who hadn't worked out his issues Not from a family that is so complicated, you're not sure who you are. You were born out of love. You're a product of the love of God. And he wants you to get hold of his love. So John, in the letters of John, this amazing sentence, see how much the Father has loved us, that we should be called the children of God and that is what we are, says John. That is what you are. And it's a bit of a miracle. It goes on to say, the reason the world doesn't know us is that it didn't know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. There's a great mystery in being born again. But you're part of God's family And the trajectory you are on, wherever you come from, the trajectory you're on now is one that is becoming more and more and more like Christ. And John, who writes this, says, I don't know what you're going to end up like. But you know, when you see Jesus, you're going to recognize him because he will look like you. And you'll have a sense of familiarity because you've been transferred from your human family and your origin, whatever that has brought you, good or bad, 
into the family of God. And you're gradually being transformed to be more and more and more like Jesus, which is brilliant news. So that's great, isn't it? That's easy. We're all like going to be like Jesus now. That's really good. Well, yes, it is. But we're born of God. But the bad news, if you like, is that we're born right in the middle of a battlefield. That is where you were born. You were like a baby when you were born again, born into the middle of a battlefield. Now, you might not have known it, but the Bible, again, is clear that there is a scrabble over your identity and there are powers and forces at work in the world that want to steal your identity from you. You have a spiritual enemy. I'm so sorry to remind you of this, but it's true. And you know it, don't you? You know that there's a resistance to you being happy, free, peaceful, secure, whole, the best version of yourself. It's like a battle because it is a battle. You are in a war, and part of that war is about trying to steal your identity from you as children of God, because you are the most important happening on this earth. The children of God are what it's all about. That's what creation is for. I really believe this, that creation itself was designed and prepared and invented and created by God for the children of God. To exist. Every flower that exists is for you. Everything that exists is for you because God loves his children, but it's a battlefield. And I'm just going to read a little passage now that I'm going to have to whiz through it quickly. But this is very important for us to get hold of. It's from the book of Galatians. And Paul is talking about being born into human families and being born into a family. And then this recognition of this battle. And listen to how he describes it. He says, when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we're his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out Abba. That's a word for daddy, if you don't know. It's a Jewish word for daddy, father. Now, you're no longer a slave, says Paul, but God's own child. And since you're his child, God has made you his heir. What's that all about? It's about the battle. Paul is saying that there's a tug of war between two natures in you. It's like a slave nature that has come from the world that we live in, from being born into a human family. In the book of Romans, Paul says, that makes you enslaved to fear. Anyone relate to that? Fear is snapping at the heels of so many people, robbing us of our identity. If we were not afraid, we would be able to inhabit our personalities, our talents and our gifts without fear, and the world would see more of us. But fear cramps us, anxiety, spoils things, depression. There's two natures. And let's go to the idea of the family of origin. Now, it's not about blame. I'm not saying, you know, some people have got brilliant families here. My family was a lovely, loving family. And that's great. 
That's really important. In good families where there's unconditional love, when things happen that are painful, then there's a way forward. Your children can be helped to recover, forgive people, be healed, and that's good. But even then, there are things that can be a bit distorted like it was for me. I realized in my 20s that I had this kind of unsteadiness in me around relationships, romantic relationships. I kept on making choices that were a bit unhelpful to me. It was like my radar was was a bit skewed. And one day I just thought, I kind of need to do a bit of business with God. And I was in my mid-twenties and I borrowed my mum and dad's caravan. It was in Minehead at the time, (laughs) in a beautiful spot. And I went and I sat in that caravan for a day and a night. And I grappled with my inner nature. Why did I keep on making these choices? And one of the things I recognized was that a kind of emotional distance that I sometimes felt around my dad, lovely though he was and loving though he was, had left me with a kind of template that was a bit skewed around relationships. And I was looking for something that was not actually something particularly healthy for me, putting my identity into things that were unhealthy for me. And for you, how was it with your dad? You know, it's a major theme of the Bible. It's how to relate to God as Father. And if it's not straightforward, then there is room for you to do what I did, which was process, do some forgiving, Bring it to God. Say, God, help me with this. And you know, I don't feel like God told me what to do after that. Like, marry this person or don't avoid that person. Not at all. I felt like God in that time taught me something of how to think and posture myself. How to be strong on the inside. How to be sure that I was loved first and foremost, by him and how to live out of love. And maybe that's something that you need to do in your relationship with God is actually say to him, show me what it's like. Reveal this love to me so that I can be steady and strong and at peace with who I am on the inside. So there's a challenge for you. Wholeness is a brilliant place to do that, by the way. That's the sort of thing that we just do all the time at wholeness. But do you know what? Every time a sermon happens in church, that's really what we're doing. We're trying to get our heads straight from the culture of the world that we live in and the families that we've come from and the stuff that's gone to make us up. The Bible will tell us, help us to know how to be, how to think, how to value ourselves, how to know what it is to mend relationships, how to forgive. That's what the Bible is for, is to help us think differently because we need that. So the third thing, the final thing to say, is that you and I cannot do this on our own. We are actually, we, you can't be born, you can't, how do you say it? <laughs> Be born yourself. You can't give birth to yourself. It's it's something that happens to you. And the battle cannot be won on your own by striving. It is a work of the Spirit 
Paul is really clear in the book of Romans, he says that actually it's the work of the Spirit to set you free from the slavery of fear. That's what the Spirit came to do. Because his Spirit touches your spirit and confirms who we really are. We know who he is and we know who we are. It's brilliantly put in the message. Listen to this quote from John Mark Comer. He says this, We can get off the hamster wheel. We can reclaim our humanity. We don't have to stay stuck. What, where are you stuck? If you're living under the shadow of generational sin, that's really acknowledging that our families carry stuff, which, which is complicated. You live in terror that you'll grow up to be like your father or mother. Listen, what was true of your parents doesn't have to be true of you. You can change the trajectory of your family line here, now, with Jesus. You can bring your sin to Jesus. Repent and watch the handcuffs of porn or lying or gossip or greed or envy or bitterness or whatever it is for you fall off your wrists and clang to the floor. I love that. And I want to say to you that in a minute we're going to pray together. And I want to invite you to spend some time with God when we're praying and worshipping. But maybe come and get some prayer from one of us up at the front. We love praying with people here. And actually begin to say to God, I want to discover what it's like to be free of the old nature. And I want to fully inhabit the child of God nature that you have given me. You think your family of origin, maybe that's a bit too hard. It's just too bad. Well, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1, you were chosen before the creation of the world. He got there first. He, he is your origin. His family is your real family of origin. Let me finish this final lovely quote and then one other thought. From all eternity... Before you were born and became part of history, you existed in God's heart. Long before your parents admired you, your friends acknowledged your gifts, or your teachers, colleagues and employers encouraged you, you were already chosen. The eyes of love had seen you as precious and of infinite beauty, as of eternal value. I sent that quote to two people yesterday, both really mature Christians who had been on the journey a long time who know this stuff inside out and the first one said that's beautiful that is so hard sometimes to access isn't it and it's true it is which is why we need each other and we need things like the wholeness course we need prayer with each other and unpacking it in community we need one another because it is hard because there's a battle but God is on your side. The second person said, oh, that prompted me. I just remembered this dream I had when I was about 14. It, it was a dream of phone ringing. And as I woke up out of the dream, I answered the phone. And this voice said to me, I'm your heavenly father. And I love you. I love you. I love you. And that's why I want to leave you with that thought that that is God's message to you. That is what he wants to say to you every day of your life. Just like good parents do. I love you. I love you. I love you. Have you discovered what it is to be a child of a dad like that?
there's a way for all of us to go on that. There's more to unpack. You could unpack it for the rest of your life, what it is to be a child of God. But if you would like to know more about that, to have that revealed to you so that your soul is healed, your mind is renewed, the potential that God encoded into your life is free to come out, unshackled by identity crises. If you'd like more of that, I just want to invite you to stand up with me and I'm going to pray because I want it. (laughs) So why don't you stand if you want to? You don't have to. Please don't feel under pressure. But I'm going to pray for us now that we can unpack the identity of what it means to be a child of God. So stand with me if you'd like to know more about that. I just want to encourage you to do something. And again, this is totally, don't do this under pressure. Don't do it at all if you don't want to. But you could just put your hand on your heart. Because we're talking about stuff that is not just of the mind. It is a heart thing. It's the relationship that you and God have with each other. And I pray, God, for these hearts. I pray for these hearts to be healed, to know in the deepest parts of them that they are loved beyond measure. We say to our souls, You are loved, you are loved, you are loved. Pray, Holy Spirit, come. Bring your healing. Bring the power to forgive. Bring the renewing vision of the Bible to our minds so that we can see how it is meant to be, what freedom looks like. And for those who are, I just feel like there's some people who are just really under the cloud of depression and underneath that cloud is just all sorts of fear and God wants to say to you that he wants to set you free from fear I feel like God is saying to you today he wants to take off the shroud of fear that covers your life so that you can stand tall and discover who you really are. So Holy Spirit, come. We tell fear to stand aside in the name of Jesus. Because these are the children of God. Come Holy Spirit. As we worship now, do just keep praying, keep thinking, keep asking God to show you more and decide to go on a bit of a journey. If you'd like some prayer, there'll be a few of us up here. Do come find somebody, find the person that you came with and say, will you pray with me? I want to know more of this. I want more of my identity as a child of God. So let's go back into worship. <laughs>